Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Salt Church Podcast. Wow, God just moves, doesn't he? Someone was up there, up here saying that we're, we're in a little bit of a funk. We're only in a funk as lo- until God moves, but God's always moving. So our funk is only up to us. Do we know God's moving or do we not know God's moving? Because that's how he actually gains access uh, to our lives is when we just simply know it. When we just simply say, yep. Do you know it? Do you enter into his rest? Very few times in scripture does it tell God's people to fear. Almost every single time, angels appear, angels show up, crisis happens, something's going on, and always it's like, do not fear. Just have faith. Except, there are exceptions, and one of them is Hebrews chapter 4, where it says, make sure that you do fear not entering into his rest. That's the only thing we're supposed to be afraid of, is not entering in. In other words... In Hebrews chapter 3, it talks about all of the, um, the nation of Israel wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. How many of you want that life? Wandering around in the desert for 40 years. No. I get upset when I get lost driving to Pittsburgh. I, I don't want to get lost for 40 years. And the very last, I think it's the last verse in um, Hebrews chapter 3, gives you the reason why they were wandering around. It was not because they were disobedient. It doesn't say it was because they didn't, they didn't um, you know, have good moral character. They were acting like God's children. It says because they were in unbelief. And then the very next phrase talks to us and says, make sure that you are not in unbelief. Make sure that you do fear not entering into his rest And I don't know about you, but when you're in belief, when you're in trust of God, when you're trusting him, fear just, that you know, that kind of fear leaves. I'm I'm just making sure. Belief, believing in God is all he wants us to do. Just believe. Because when you believe, when you know God is here, when you know God is with you, nothing else seems to matter at all. I love the... um, I love Kristen's testimony that, that she got healed because I'm one of the ones that were actually aware of what was going on, and we've been praying for her. She didn't tell me she was healed till just now. I was like, oh, I wasted all those prayers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm like, wow, awesome. But you know what? She was just as much a child of God when she wasn't healed as she is now that she is healed. It's not really just about physical healing, although that's part of the byproducts of trusting in him. But really, even if you're in the, in the um, part of your journey in which you're not healed yet, just keep that in the forefront of your soul yet. You're not healed yet. If you know that you're in process, that God is healing you, it will manifest. It will happen. It's part of what God has for us as long as we don't operate in unbelief. Because if you operate in unbelief, you could wander around the desert for 40 years. 
So what are we to fear? Fear not operating in belief, not entering into his rest. That's what we are to fear. Oh, all right, let's stand for the benediction. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I want to read a passage of scripture from Luke chapter 2 because it seems to be appropriate. Starting in verse 8. Are we ready for this? I've just, you guys ready? Ready for the word? That's exactly why we worship Jesus, by the way. I mean, we worship Jesus all the time, but we set aside a, a time of worship up here so that the heart could be tilled, so that the ground could be softened, so that the seed can be planted. And God's word is the seed. So we literally spend a little bit of time every Sunday morning making sure that, you know, we're getting the world out, we're softening up the soil, we're, we're pulling open the heart, we're getting rid of the world and the thoughts that the enemy loves to uh, throw at us so that his word can be planted. And when his word is planted, you know, in Mark chapter 4, it talks about the sower and the seed. And it's talking about the seed being um, sown into the soil, into the heart. And it literally says in there that it, we don't know how it grows. We do not know. Mankind, farmers do not know how the seed grows. They just know it happens. It actually says in Mark chapter 4 that it grows by itself. The Greek word for by itself is automatos. Automatos is where we get the word automatically. It just simply grows automatically. If you keep the seed in your heart, it will produce by itself. It will produce automatically. So we're striving and trying and climbing and trying to figure out a way to please God. All we got to do is take the word, hold it in your heart, and everything else happens automatically. Just get into the word. Getting into the word makes me the best counselor that ever lived. Because people come to me with issues and problems and crises and situations and marriages and all sorts of dealings that are going on in this world. And if I can get them to get the word to stay in their heart, it automatically heals stuff. And I look like a genius. All right. It's, it's automatos. It's automatically. It grows by itself. When God came... This world changed. The Bible itself is literally split up into two different parts. The first part is before Jesus came, this is how you connect with God. And the second part is after Jesus came and now we connect with God himself in a completely holy, different way than the world did before. And in this scene in Luke chapter 2, it's talking about when Jesus came and what happened to the world. It says, now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds. I love the fact that it's revealed to the shepherds. The shepherds were like the lowliest job. They were the McDonald's workers of the day. I can't, I hope nobody here works there. I'm sorry, that just came out. They're out there. It's nighttime. They're just simply watching over the over the the flock. I don't know. It doesn't say how many of them there there were. There was probably a shepherd union meeting taking place. Talking about that one sheep who keeps going off by himself. Let me break his leg. No. Okay. That's, back to the scripture. And behold, 
an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were afraid. You just imagine now, you're out there, you're tending the sheep. It might be day 4,617 of your career. Night after night after night, watching the sheep, trying to stay awake, trying to keep them gathered. And then, bang, an angel appears and the glory of the Lord shines all around it. And they were afraid. And then the angel starts speaking to them. And this is what he says. It's the opposite of Hebrews 4, right? He says, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Great joy. I don't know about you, but that is a message I could receive from an angel. If an angel appears tonight in my house and the glory of the Lord shines all around him, and he says to me, behold, I bring you glad tidings and great joy, I'd be like, woo, speak, I'm ready. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you guys ever, you know, sometimes you go to, like, when we were younger, we'd go to, like, different church services, and sometimes there are people that are just really prophetic. And, you know, you would go to, like, this awesome, powerful meeting, and, and uh, the Lord would, would, like, just speak through, like, a prophet and speak to you. And for some people, that's really exciting. For me, it was, like, nerve-wracking. I'd be like, I got to make sure I'm thinking well. Got to make sure all my sin is tucked behind there before somebody speaks to me. Because you're just like, stand up, Al. I heard you the other day bad-mouthing your wife. Like, you look over at Chris. That wasn't me. That was my twin brother. Okay. All right. So, glad tidings. Great joy. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swallowing claws, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was uh, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and giving the world the first message of the kingdom. The whole multitude of angels are now there. They all appear. It's like the heavenly host is all there because they were all waiting with great anticipation for this moment to take place. And the one angel that was like the choir director had it all worked out. He's like up there ready to get them to start singing. And they start singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. They proclaim glory of the Lord and peace to the world and goodwill towards everybody. This was the message that the heavenly choir director, angel, taught his angels to sing. Sing and proclaim the glory of God. I love it. I've got a challenge for you guys. Here's the challenge. And, and, and some people love a challenge, and some people hate a challenge. So there's different levels to this challenge, okay? If you're one of those that just love a challenge, you could take it to the nth degree. If you're one of those that's like, I don't really want a challenge. 
I was with a, a group of guys a uh, f- number of years ago, and at the time, I was, like, trying to work out and, and see to do push-ups. And I, I got up to, like, I don't know, I think it was more than 60 push-ups, maybe close to 70 push-ups. And, um, you know, that was big for me. I'm terrible. My my uh, my pectoral muscles are usually concave. Like, I mean, there's there's nothing there. Uh, but I was working out, and I was doing well, and a bunch of guys were like, you know, and, and they were, you know, the old men speak, you know, how many push-ups can you do? Somehow that I probably figured out a way to sneak that in because this was like the, my peak of my whole life was at that moment. And uh, someone's like, oh, I can do 50 push-ups, you know. Someone else like, oh, I can do 100 push-ups. And one guy said this. He says, I could do between three and 400 push-ups. And we were like, this guy was more concave than me. I'm like, there's no way. And uh, prove it. You can't do that. Prove it. He gets down and he does one, two, three, four. And then he stood up and said, told you. We're like, what? He says, I could do between three and 400 push-ups. That was more than three. I was like, okay, I like it. That's good. I'm going to remember that one. Woo! Your challenge is this. Number one. How is your life different now because you have Jesus than it would be if you didn't have Jesus? How is your life different with God? And then the challenge is share it with somebody this month. During the month of December, share it with me. Now, you low-challenge people, you could share it with your friend. You could share it with your spouse. You could share it with your spouse's friend. I don't know. Anyway, uh, for you high-challenge people, share it with a stranger. How is your life different because of the entrance of God in your world? Because I think sometimes we as Christians don't really meditate on the awesomeness of God enough. I think sometimes as Christians we don't think of the glory of God and peace on earth and goodwill toward men that God himself introduced. That's the first message that was delivered to the world. We think about the chaos. We think about the war. We think about how there's no peace sometimes. And yet, and by the way, that message was not between man and man. There are wars going on between men and men, between nations and nations. That will always be the case. Actually, it will increase as the end of the world comes to a culmination. But that peace was between God and man. That goodwill was between God and us. No longer are we to operate based on our performance. Now we operate and connect and commune and touch God based on his performance. And there is total peace and total goodwill for us because we have Jesus. And if you don't know that, then you're operating in unbelief. And if you're operating in unbelief, then you're going to be roaming around this world for year upon year upon year thinking that this is a horrible place to be. This is an awesome place to be if you're in Christ. This is a great place to live if you know the Lord. There's a celebrity that tweeted out a message to the world, and I actually wrote it down. Let me get it right here. I'm not going to tell you who she is. If you want to know, I'll tell you later, privately. 
But this was the tweet that she tweeted out. She said this. Sometimes I wish my parents were rich so I don't have to feel like I need to work for everyone else's survival. Now, on her behalf, she was 20 years old when she tweeted that. But against her behalf, in the last two years since she was 18, she had made over $120 million. Come on. She had $120 million and she's complaining about, I wish my parents were rich so I didn't have to take care of them. What? Are you serious? When I, it's an athlete, by the way, a female athlete that's very famous. And when I read that, I was like, I'll have to tell you, the presence of the Lord left me just for a second because I wanted to slap her. I don't think God wanted to slap her. Maybe he did. But the reason that I bring that up is because that's us. We're so rich. We're so changed because of God. And sometimes we're like, ah, because I went through a season like that. Oh, God's always telling me, why do I got to be the bigger man? You know, something's not going right. You need to go and ask for forgiveness. Something's not going right. You need to go and make it right. Somebody needs something. You need to go fulfill it. And I'm like, Lord, why me? Why me? Why do I got to always be the bigger man? Well, for the last two years, I've given you over $120 million. And all I'm asking you to do is pay someone's electric bill. What's your issue? Slap. The spirit of slap. Bang. When God came, everything changed. And all we have to do, that's all he's asking us to do, is just to believe that. Just to know that on the inside. Just to know it. There's something about knowing, right? Because I... The word, I don't even know. That's almost interchangeable. In the word, it says, just believe, just believe, just believe. But I, that actually could be translated, just know. Just know. Second Peter chapter 1 talks about that. It says, I've given you everything that you need for life and godliness. And the knowledge of God and of Jesus, his, his son. Just know. Isaiah 45, it talks about, Behold, God will do a new thing. Shall you not know it? Do you know it? Do you know God is with you? Do you know his peace is available to you? Do you know his healing is right knocking at the door of your heart? Do you know that? The disciples in Acts chapter five, they're they're going around, and uh, they they were they were already two of them. Peter and John had been in had been in jail for a, for a night, and the next day they they come before the Sanhedrin, the the religious leaders of that day, right? And as they come before the the religious leaders, by the way, the reason that they were in jail is because they prayed for somebody and that person got healed. Go to jail. The next day, and the reason that they put him in jail is because all of the religious leaders were uh, indignant, it says, or jealous 
They were jealous over these two men. that had. They took note that they had been with Jesus. And they put him in jail and they bring him before the leaders the next day and says, we, we want you to stop preaching this man whom you call Jesus. You're making us feel bad. It literally says in there that you're trying to put his blood on our hands. Yeah. Yeah, you killed, the, you killed God. That's what they were trying to say. They said, you could go out, but don't use his name anymore. And their response was awesome. Should we listen to you or should we listen to God? That was their response. I think they beat him up and then let him go. And they let him go. And then all of a sudden, like, church starts breaking out everywhere they go. Healings are happening everywhere. Like, that's the passage of Scripture where, like, people were, like, trying to just, like, get into the shadow of Peter as he walked by. And healings were taking place. They were bringing out people that were sick on gurneys and laying them on the side of the road, hoping that maybe one of these men who knows Jesus would walk by. And healings were manifesting. And it made the religious leaders so upset that people are getting healed by the name of Jesus that they put him in jail again. This time it doesn't even say who. It's probably Peter and John, but it said the disciples. They came and grabbed the disciples and put them in jail because healings were coming. And so, I don't know if you know the history at this time, but uh, James was already killed by, by, the, by Herod. Uh, they had already put, uh, they had already started realizing that the people liked it when you persecuted Christians. Do you ever wonder why? I mean, here comes Jesus that preaches, turn the other cheek. Here comes Jesus that teaches to forgive. Here comes Jesus that says, you need to love, even your enemies love. And that ticked off the whole world. They started persecuting us and putting us in jails and prisons. And, and, and you know why? Because we have an enemy who doesn't like the fact that Jesus changed everything. Jealous, indignation. So they could have been killed the next day. I don't know if you've ever spent time in jail, but it's not fun. So they tell me. Now, I've done some ministry in jails, and that's it's just not fun. It's like it smells bad. I don't. Maybe the female prisons are better. I don't know. The male prisons smell bad, and the food's horrible. And uh, you know, I used to think when I was younger, I could spend a little bit of time in jail and play a little basketball, play a little chess, enjoy the day. No wife telling you what to do the next day. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, after spending some time in there, I'm like, no, no. Chris is awesome. She cooks great. She's anyway. So they could have been killed the next day, but yet they fall asleep. I don't know if you could sleep in those particular kind of like environment. Like we might kill you tomorrow. They just fall asleep. And while they're sleeping, an angel comes and unlocks the gate and comes in and wakes them up. And this is the instruction in this particular time. This is the instruction that he gives them. I want you to go to the temple and I want you to preach about life. Tell them about this life. That you're living. The guards didn't even know it in this case. There's, there's more 
uh, scenarios in the Bible in which this happens. But in this case, the guards didn't even know it. The next day, the religious leaders, they wake up and they go to the jail. And because they're at the jail, they're ready to like hammer these disciples all over again to bring them up before the Sanhedrin. They open up the gates, they walk in, and it's empty. Where are they at? What happened? And the guards are like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. And then they get word, guess what? They're at your office. They're at the temple. What do you mean they're at the temple? They're at the temple, and they're teaching the people how to live this life. They got so much of God in them that when they went to jail, they were able to sleep like a baby. And when an angel woke them up, and, and release them out of jail. They didn't sc- scatter. They didn't run. They didn't hide. They didn't move. They didn't grab weapons. They didn't try to protect themselves. He said, go to the Sanhedrin's office, from which you call the temple, and I want you to teach the people what it's like to have God in your life. Could you imagine what they had to say? The challenge to you, is how is your life different with God than it would be without God? And go and tell somebody about it. The challenge that the angel gave to them was exactly the same challenge. Go to the temple and tell them about this life that you are now living that you could not have lived without God. And they go to the temple, and I don't even know what they were saying, but I I could just imagine they're, they're at the temple teaching the nation, and they're saying, hey, It's not about doing that sacrifice better. It's not about observing all of the holidays in minute detail. It's not about getting the best lamb to slaughter at Passover. It's not about the incense of the priest or the bells on the robes. It's about none of those things. It is about God relating to you in your life. And they didn't stand up before the people and said, follow God. Everything becomes so easy. No. They're like, we were in jail last night, but we're here following what the angel told us to tell you. And it's about just knowing that God is with you. That there's peace now between us and God. That there's glory of the Lord all around you, wherever you go. And boom, there's goodwill toward men. How awesome is that message? And this is the season that we are currently in right now as we celebrate God, Emmanuel, God with us. As he came so that we can, we no longer have to figure out a way to relate. No longer do we have to try to be more holy or try to be more pious or try to be more perfect. No, we just have to say, I trust and know that you are with me, little old me. And if you can personalize that into your life, then you won't even care if you're healed on the outside because you know that you're healed on the inside. And then, because you know it on the inside, it can't help but to manifest on the outside eventually. And then you can stand up here like Kristen did and share a testimony about being healed on the outside because you just connected with God on the inside. I had a wrist that I got injured, this wrist. Month after month after month. 
didn't hurt unless I used it. I'd forget. I'd forget that I had an injured wrist. And I would grab a nail, and I'm left-handed, and I would hold the nail up, and I'd go, bang, okay. I would put the nail now on this hand and start hammering it with my right hand because it hurt so bad. I would go play pickleball. I know. It's somewhat embarrassing to say that out loud. I used to be a basketball player. Then I devoted myself to a tennis player. Now I'm at the bottom of the heap playing pickleball. So I don't know what's next. I'll be playing tiddlywinks with your grandkids. I can beat you. And I was playing a couple times a week, twice a week. And the Lord said, you're renting a little bit too much space in your brain for pickleballs pull back. So I hadn't played pickleball in two or three weeks, between about two and a half weeks. I said, okay, I'm pulling back. Let's go play. So I go play, and I'm thinking, well, now there's been enough rest. My wrist's certainly going to be fine. And I get out there, and I'm like, whack, one shot. That hurt. I'm on the sideline putting some sort of a wrap on my wrist, and then I'm, I'm putting electric tape. Because the only thing I had in my duffel bag was electric tape around my wrist. Other guys are walking around, dude, that guy's serious. Like, he's got electric tape on his wrist. And I, I suffered through the two hours of playing, and I unwrapped. Now, my hand's swollen now. My whole hand's swollen because I wrapped it so tight with electrical tape. Now, I'm in the vehicle. I'm driving back, and for some reason, I get angry. I'm so mad. How dare you hurt? You know, there's a teaching out there that says, um, instead of talking to um, God about your mountain, start talking to your mountain about God. And so I'm like, all right, wrist, you idiot. Why aren't you healed? I'm talking to my wrist, and I'm like, Jesus healed you. You must obey. And not only am I declaring and proclaiming and getting angry, I start taking my hand and I start pounding the steering wheel like it's a, like it's a nail. And I'm a bang, 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 bang. And every time it hurt, I say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't know why. I, I just, I don't know. I'm glad you weren't with me. Uh, you know? Be calling Chris. Hey, did you take a seizure medicine? Is, is there something? Like... So, next day, I grab a nail. I start hammering the nail. Then another one. Then another one. It never hurt. It's totally healed. Now, again, I believe that that healing is available to each and every one of us. There's something about making it happen in your life. There's something about operating. Like Kristen was going to these Tuesday night uh, prayer meetings. Um, I think it was at the Jehovah's Witness. No, I'm just kidding. No, she was going to, uh, to you know, gathering other believers. Pray for me because there's something about that too. Now, when it doesn't happen, hey, man, my wrist hurt for a year. Does that mean I'm less of a Christian last year than I am now? No. I'm actually sharing this testimony up here with a swollen knee because I biffed it the other day, and now my my knee is swollen. Actually, Brock said to me, why don't you get mad at your knee like you got mad at your wrist? I was like, shut up, Brock. (laughs) I'm working on it. 
I'm working on this thing. You can't tell me God didn't heal my wrist. You can't tell me God didn't heal my knee. But there is, I'm still a little bit wandering around in the wilderness with my knee, but I've arrived with my wrist. And I'm here to just proclaim to you today. Are you wandering around the desert in unbelief? Or do you know that God is with you? Because when you know that God is with you, nothing can be against you. It doesn't matter. The devil himself could come against you. You'd be like, I don't care. My God's bigger than you. Jesus is bigger than anything you got. In Psalm uh, chapter 84, it talks about this Christian life of being, of going from strength to strength. We go from strength to strength. You could look at that in a number of different ways. You could look at it from testimony to testimony. You could look at it from one encounter with God to the next encounter with God. You could look at it like, this is when I know, this is like a benchmark in my life. I know God ministered to me here. And that place of weakness, actually, it's, it's, a, it's called the Valley of Baca, B-A-C-A, which means um, dry, arid, and weeping. I'm not sure about that language there, why you would have a word that includes both dryness, arid, desert-like, and weeping. Because to me, tears would make it not dry. But anyway, okay, it's just a weird thing. But it goes from that to a place of strength. You go from entering into maybe to somebody else's life that's dealing with a crisis, or maybe it's just a season that you're in that's dry. Maybe you're in a dry season and you're not sensing God. You make it a place of springs, it says. You turn it into a place of strength. And then it says, poetically, that then the autumn rains will come down. That's symbolic for you just start, and then God will douse it and make that dry place wet. You just take that first step and trust and know that God is going to bring the pools, bring the autumn rains, and douse it all over the place. And then you're going to make it a place of strength in your life. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it talks about how uh, if you are experiencing something and God comes and touches it, it's so that you could take that very same experience that somebody else is having and minister to them. So even the tough things in your life, he'll make it a way, he'll turn it into a, to a, a, wheat, uh, a wet place, a strength place, and then teach you how you can make other people's dry places moist and wet and doused with rain. Because uh, water in the Bible is symbolic for nourishment, receiving, growth. Oh, that's good stuff. You guys are listening well today. Good job. And I'm out of time. Look at that. Perfect timing. Um, so that's, I'm just going to end with this to repeat the challenge to you. How is your life different with God than it was without God? Now share that with someone else. This is a different way of evangelizing. This is not going up to someone and giving them the Roman road of 
of salvation. This is saying, like for, for me personally, it gives me purpose and meaning more than anything else. It get, for me, it's purpose, meaning, meaningful joy. I can just talk about, I've had people ask me that. How come you're so stinking happy? I've had people say that to me before. Not lately. Chris, make me happy. No, just kidding. Um, but that's a great answer because I got Jesus. Right? Amen? Before Jesus, life didn't have meaning for me. Before Jesus, it was like, what are we just going to live like so many years and then die? And that's like we become dirt or something? I don't know. What happened? All I know is I'm going to live forever. And I get to spend 99.99999% of it with Jesus in paradise and the other 0.00001% with Jesus here. So praise the Lord. Stand up. Let's ask the Lord to give you opportunity divine appointments, ways in which you can share Christ, God in the flesh. Thanks again for joining us on this week's episode of the Salt Church Podcast. We're grateful you spent this time with us, and we hope the message today has moved you. Please be sure to join us again next week for another episode of the Salt Church Podcast. God bless, and we'll see you next time.